You're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Scams are one of the most dangerous threats today, especially when it comes to our elders. As the number of victims and money taken continues to skyrocket, realize that there is hope. ScammerCast is your frontline battlefield for getting educated on the most recent scams, but also how to defend against them. Join us as we detail the processes, the traps, and the solutions to help us all hammer the scammers. Hammer the scammers. It's time for the ScammerCast. Here are your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Maines. Sponsored by Midwest Trust Company. Welcome to the ScammerCast. This is your co-host, Curtis Bailey. And this is Marty Gurley, your co-host. And this is Art Maines, also your co-host for the ScammerCast. We are delighted to have you with us today. We are going to be looking at the senior perspective with our friend and colleague, Ted Weiner. Welcome to the ScammerCast, Ted. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And so you have a unique perspective because you have been in the financial services industry in your lifetime. You are a retired financial advisor, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so tell us your story a little bit. Give us a little bit of your background. Well, I retired finally last year after the last 30 years of my business life being a financial advisor and seeing things that the seniors had to look out for. And when I did retire, uh, moved into a retirement community and with the idea I could sleep late in the morning. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Are, are, are you fulfilling that aim? Well, I'm, I'm amazed. I don't understand how when I was working, I was able to get all my personal work done because I seem to be busier now. And never. And my desk at home is just as bad as my desk was at the office. Everyone I've ever talked to who's retired has said the same thing. They don't know how they had time to work. That's No, I don't know how I had time to take care of my personal stuff when I was working. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. But we managed. Right, sure. But uh, then I got interested in, uh, back last year in September, the Federal Trade Commission came to St. Louis with a pilot program to help the seniors particularly combat scam and fraud. And uh, they tagged it the Pass It On program, the idea being that if we could educate seniors and others uh, as to what to be on the lookout for, pass that information on to others, that would be one of the best deterrents to trying to curb the fraud and scam that are going on in our world today. What are the components of the program so our listeners have an idea? Well, the Federal Trade Commission has developed a lot of uh, material which anybody can go into ftc.org and uh, .gov and order this material. And if you have a group or individually interested, you can order. But it gets into the types of scams that are out there, the phone scams, the uh, ale, the um, ads, mail order, uh, identity theft, and so forth, so that you can learn what to look out for and hopefully recognize that when you get that phone call or you get that email, you realize that this is not reality. As they once said, if it sounds too good, it probably isn't. But uh, the Gatesworth, where I live, was part of the introduction into the St. Louis market for the FTC program. And they asked me would I speak at the uh, during the meeting. And by default, I ended up as head of the fraud squad, 
That's fraud, not frog, <laughs> uh, if you watch the commercial. And uh, I've been doing it ever since, and I have a deep interest uh, in trying to help people to learn what to look out for and to, to hopefully protect themselves. We were talking before we uh, re started recording the uh, episode today, and you said that when you were working in the financial industry, it always bugged you when brokers or others in the field would try to scam and rip off clients. Say a little bit more about that. I think our listeners would like to hear about that. Well, they weren't. it wasn't the idea of scamming or ripping off, but in order to make more money, uh, back in the old days, you only made money when you uh, had a transaction. And there was an awful lot of churning. Or I shouldn't say an awful lot. Most brokers are very honest, but the few that would do the churning and uh, sell something to a client or recommend something to a client and then six months later tell them, oh, that's no good, here's a better deal, and keep rolling over their accounts. Uh, and that used to rankle me. I remember one incident uh, where there was a fellow who, uh, back in the days of the limited partnerships, oil and gas and whatnot, and there were new ones coming out uh, every other month. And he would... Uh, take his client list and uh, convince people that this is the best investment, which at the time, legitimately, the oil uh, limited partnerships were. But uh, he would then, six months later, call them to sell that one and buy the new one that was on the market. And interestingly enough, one day, and he had a lot of out-of-town clients in, up in eastern Kentucky particularly, and one day... A young man came in carrying a rifle with him and uh, was looking for this broker. Fortunately, he was out of the office because uh, his mother had been one that had been churned her account and, of course, had so many losses in it. And had the broker been there that day, he would have been shot. Oh, boy. That's a story <laughs> so, and a so, half. So, so every time he was approaching uh, the, this uh, lady to change investments, he was generating a commission. Is oh, that right? Right, oh, yes. Okay. Back in those days, it was that. And, uh, but most brokers were, and but that used to rankle me. I always had a philosophy in the business world, even when I was in the marketing and VP of sales with a few national companies. It had to be to the best interest of the client. In fact, I used to tell the client, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, what you want us to do, fire us. And uh, that's always been my code of ethics through anything and everything I do. In fact, I've gotten into this, uh, and I've been asked to do some discussion, lead some discussion groups, and groups who have wanted to pay me for being the speaker. And and my position is no, I'm not looking for income. You you want to uh, have a stipend to go to your speaker, make a donation to a charity. You know, it's had one. A shame of the whole thing is that's still going on. I'm in the financial services industry, and unfortunately, I see that too. But what I'm seeing more of now with the brokers is they will sell a product, whether it's an annuity or something like that, where they think it's a one-size-fits-all, and they'll recommend it to to all of their clients. So that, that's what I'm seeing in the industry now. Not so much churning because people are moving into more of a market value fee-based model instead of commissions. But there's still some of that going on, unfortunately. Yeah, no, you always had to identify with the client. What's the, what are their needs? What is their objective, their goal? And what are their resources to work with to achieve those goals? And you put together a program that 
that accomplishes that for them or hopefully accomplishes that for them. Well, I think our whole business world today is too much bottom line oriented, but I don't know if you want to get into that discussion. <laughs> well, you know, you raised an interesting question because the federal government has proposed a, a fiduciary standard for everybody in the financial services industry. And, of course, there's opinions on both sides of that issue. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, as a retired financial advisor, what your thoughts are. I don't think establishing, quote, a law or regulation is going to change anything. Uh, the people you're working with, no matter where you are or what you're doing, even if you're going into a retail store, and, and particularly the ladies who are working with a fashion expert, does this dress look nice on me? You're either honest with the people or you're not. And uh, I don't think that would change anything. I mean, that you either care about your clients. you Just by instinct, you do fiduciarily what is right for the client. I mean, that's... It goes, goes back to the old saying, everything we learned, we learned in kindergarten, right? That's right. Yeah, it, sh it shouldn't be any more complicated than that. Be honest and treat people right. You know, listening to your philosophy on how you would work with your clients and, and help them putting their interests before your own, it seems natural that you got into, into this. It seemed like a natural transition that you want to continue to look out for folks. Well, I do have an interest in it, and it's uh, the scams and the frauds are just getting bigger and new nuances every day. There are some simple things folks can do to try to protect themselves, but your information is out there. And if you have never been scammed or caught in a fraud, you're lucky. And it may be some people feel it's just a quick case of when not if, but if you can understand what it's all about and then what do I do if I do get scammed, how do I stop it? But uh, there are some simple things you can do that will hopefully minimize uh, yourself being from, from being scammed. Do you find seniors are receptive to your presentations and the information that you share with them? When I do a discussion group, yes, I usually find it, and then I try to bring the audience in to talk about things that they've been exposed to or that they know of their friends, family, and so forth. What I do find, though, is most of them on a personal relationship day-to-day -day, are too embarrassed if they did get scammed and they don't pass the information on to their friends, neighbors, and family as to oh, this happened to me, they're too embarrassed and they don't want to tell anybody about it. And that's the mis a big mistake because that's how we all will learn what to look out for is by hearing the actual stories that happen to people. And how do you think we can reduce or minimize that shame or embarrassment connected with being victimized? Well, I think the embarrassment is part of the psychology of the individual uh, but just by keep reminding them that, well, of course, if you were scammed, but you don't want to say it was you, make up a friend, a neighbor, somebody else's name, pick a name out of the phone book and use that name so that it's not you who was scammed. It was your friend, Bob Jones, that got scammed. But definitely pass it on when you hear or know about a specific scam. Yeah, that's one of the things that I write about in my book and that I give a lot in my presentations and speeches is the, we call I call it the three R's, recognize, respond, and reach out. 
And that reach out piece is reach out to spread the word so that instead of just being a victim or a potential victim, you actually become a part of the solution by spreading the word to other people. And like you say, Ted, you could always claim it's Susie Smith or your friend Joe or whomever that, that got scammed if you feel embarrassed about it. So do you hear particular kinds of scams and frauds right now that are showing up a lot in, in your group? Well, in the senior, in our, uh, there have been people who have, uh, one resident who got a phone call that uh, your computer has been compromised. Are you at your computer? And thinking, oh, golly, and turns her computer on and went through the story of giving the phone caller access to her <coughs> computer and then say, and for a fee that we corrected everything there. Well, if, if it was legitimate, that would be fine. But the problem is you have let a stranger into your computer who now has probably planted malware and has access to every bit of information that's in your computer. And one area that is easy to identify is in your email, where they have your contact list for, uh, for your email. And they start under your email sender information, sending emails to other people, and they will try to entice them to open up a link that will then enable them to get into that computer. And one of their objectives is to steal as much personal information as they can, and then they steal your identity. And uh, you, you will find that you will be on that contact list too. And when you get this email and you realize, wait a minute, I didn't send that. So you got to notify everybody on your email list that you've been uh, hacked, compromised, and to check their computer for malware and so forth. In fact, one of the key things that a gentleman who came out of the computer industry really stressed with me is those who use a computer want to be sure that you have the best security and virus detection software that you can get because you don't want to just leave your computer unprotected because the hackers are a step ahead and you may not be able to stop somebody from getting in there, but you'll be able to recognize it and then correct it. Do you find that the uh, residents of the retirement community where you're active are getting on to uh, Facebook and other forms of social media more and more? This is one of the uh, major sources that uh, the scammers have for gathering information on the individual is social media. Put it like you, and you got to worry about your children, your teenagers particularly, who are all over Facebook. Sure. And they may put on Facebook that, oh, we're going to Europe for 30 days. Well, the bad guys now know that where you, they, they will know where you live, who's in the family, etc. But your house is uh, empty for 30 days, and you're vulnerable to somebody breaking in and taking everything of value. You know, along those lines, another area of uh, where the fraudsters go or the bad guys go, if you go to a football game and you're going to be in that stadium three hours and your car is out in the parking lot and they break in the cars. In fact, there's a rash of break-ins here in St. Louis all over and they break in. And if you've left identifying information in the car that would have your address, name and so forth, they know that this address, nobody's home for three hours. 
you're vulnerable to you're just lucky if nobody came by your house and took away your uh, your TV set. So you're really recommending uh, a style of thinking that's based a lot more on prudence and situational awareness about how the scammers are using social media and even low-tech versions like car break-ins to rip people off. Yes. Do you find that that people that you're speaking with are fully receptive to this or do they resist it or no, I think they they uh, are very accepting to hearing the stories, or at least those that I've talked to when I've gone around to different groups and led a discussion, and they they appreciate it. And they tell me they've learned a lot, uh, but there is still that reluctance to truthfully pass it on, and that to me is is a big key in deterrent to the fraud and the scammers is uh, pass on when you know something that happened so that the rest of the world is forewarned as to what they have to be careful about. You know, back to real quickly to social media, because I uh, had a client who contacted me who was contacted by an old high school friend of hers who had just come on to Facebook, right? And they had a conversation over Facebook, catching up, if you will, on the old days, very generic small talk. And then the conversation turned to, I just won $1,000 and I saw your name on the list. And all you need to do is provide, right? You know where this is going, personal <laughs> information. Uh, have you seen uh, that kind of activity with any of the people you work with at the Gatesworth? Well, not necessarily because, again, I go back to that most people don't like to tell you when they've been scammed. So uh, right. all I know is, is that when we do have discussion groups, occasionally somebody will talk about something that happened to them, the phone call or like the IRS letters. And, uh, uh, in fact, uh, another thing that is going on is the Census Bureau. Uh, they do a lot of contacting for their information. You know, in the old days, Somebody used to come by your house and you answer, your parents would fill out the form in that. Today, from what I gathered, they do most of it by mail. And I, they ask an awful lot of very detailed questions that personally I would be reluctant to answer. And, but, uh, there can be a scam along those lines. And then you start getting a phone call. You haven't answered, responded to our, questionnaire and they can get nasty some of the people that's another thing too that if when you do get a phone call and if you did respond to it or get caught in a conversation if the party on the other side of the phone is getting nasty and, and starts cussing at you hang up right away because more than likely it's a scammer that's exactly right that's one of the dead giveaways for a scam i want to refer people our listeners back to a couple of of resources that we have uh, I did a blog post not too long ago about Facebook cloning, where people will steal a person's Facebook page and pretend to be that person. This just happened to me a couple of weeks ago, and I researched it and, and wrote about it at my uh, blog at scammedbook.com. And when you were talking a few months ago, Ted, about the importance of computer security with things like malware and antivirus software, I'd like to refer our listeners back to our episode with Mark Goodman, the author of the book Future Crimes, because his update protocol is excellent. And according to him, it will reduce your risk online by 85%. So 
Just to know to all of you out there listening to us, be sure to check out that episode with Mark Goodman and look for his update protocol, which is in the show notes for this episode as well. Ted, I'd like to uh, go back because you've mentioned um, Fraud Squad and you've mentioned the group discussions. I I'd like you to share with our listeners what the Fraud Squad looks like uh, at the retirement community where you live. Well, basically, I am the Fraud Squad. <laughs> You're a squad of one, huh? And, uh, I mean, we had uh, the idea that we would have other members, but it, it's it's not that kind of organized thing. And uh, I have gotten myself on the list for getting information, what goes on from FTC and other governmental entities, and to stay abreast, and then by doing periodic discussion groups to pass the, on that information on and identifying the different types of events that go on, like the romance scam is becoming back into the forelight again. In fact, AARP had their recent magazine had a nice article about an attractive young lady widowed, I think, age 50, who fell in love with somebody on one of the dating sites and ended up being scammed out of $300,000. And yet, after a year, and the whole thing was done, and she realized it was a scam, she still couldn't admit to herself, and she still loved the guy. And if he would have called her up back and tried to renew the relationship, she probably would have renewed the relationship. But seniors are vulnerable to this because, yes, being honest, when you see well, like where we are, I would imagine that 75 to 80 percent of the residents are widows or widowers. And, uh, you know, just because you're 70, 80 or 90 years old doesn't mean you wouldn't like to have a friend and just a companion. So you are vulnerable to a relationship that seems to be real when all they're really after is making some money off of you. The flag of loneliness. You know, we talk here about the five flags, the five emotions that scammers use to hook people, and that's loneliness right there, wanting to uh, make a connection again and, and have a friend or a companion, like you say. So how often do you hold group discussions with the residents at your community? Well, I'm always talking with people, and the, the folks who know will come up to me and ask me a question about something, but uh, it's not on a regular basis. I mean, it's every couple of months now. Uh, initially we started out, I was doing it once a month and, uh, but you know, you can be redundant repeating the same thing over and over and everybody starts looking for new information, which I try to provide. But then because somehow or other my name got out there and I've had calls from other senior groups, particularly with affiliated with church groups that have senior groups and they've asked me to would I lead a breakfast discussion or when their group gets together and and I'm happy to do it because like I say I for whatever reason just feel that this is important and if I can help people learn something and avoid getting scammed I'm glad it happened exactly that's a big part of our mission here at the scammer cast as well we're thrilled to be able to offer information and good people such as yourself to our listeners so that they stay informed about how to keep themselves and the seniors they care about safe. You know, I'm, I'm looking at some of my notes here, and one thing that I'd also like to mention, because some people uh, do know it, don't, but the granny, what was called the granny scam, but it could be where any relative, and they're calling, and social media media is one way people, the scammers learn about who names 
and they could be out of town or whatever, and they call up and say, I'm going to uh, be in jail, and it's not really your nephew that's calling and, and whatnot. Uh, if your family, if you've got a family that travels a lot individually like that, get a family password. Great idea. So if you ever get a phone call like this, Johnny, what's our password? Well, the scammer's not going to know that. Right. Unless Johnny put it on social media. So, Johnny, right. please don't put it on social <laughs> right. media. Right. And it reminds me of a story I heard, I don't know, probably a year or so ago where this lady came up to me and said that uh, she had gotten a call like that. And yeah, she said to the young man, oh, really? Well, um, so what was your grandpa's nickname growing up? Now, they didn't have a formal family password, but that was some very personal knowledge that, of course, the scammer didn't have, and he hung up right away. So you're definitely giving good advice there, Ted. Right. That's the other way, too. But unfortunately, the young kids may not know what was grandpa's nickname. Right. But by having that family password, you know that everybody in the family yeah. has, has the right words. I like that. I like yeah. that. Uh, that. That is a unique uh, uh, idea and one that I think our listeners can take advantage of. We're visiting today with Ted Weiner, who is uh, a retired financial advisor and a resident at a local retirement community here in St. Louis and who is the fraud squad uh, at the community. <laughs> uh, at this point, we're going to take a, take a short break, but we'll be right back here to visit more about some of examples and stories that he's seen here at ScammerCast. It's time to take a break during this episode of the ScammerCast. Have you liked our effort on Facebook? Visit the link via our website at ScammerCast.com and be sure to share any of our informative articles with your friends and family. It's all about education and protecting our seniors. We'll be right back. A recent study found that most older adults fear running out of money during their retirement years, even more than their fear of death. A trust can be an effective way to manage and protect your assets while you're alive. Now, many folks believe that trusts are only for rich people. They are not. Midwest Trust Company of Missouri, located in Clayton, Missouri, offers professional trust management for clients all across the country. Using Midwest Trust is a great way to know that someone with experience and integrity will manage your wealth objectively. Naming Midwest Trust can provide you with peace of mind in knowing that you or your parents will not be exploited financially and lose all of the assets acquired during a lifetime of hard work. Midwest Trust will even work with you or your parents' own financial advisor. Don't let fear of running out of money drive your life. Contact Midwest Trust Company today by visiting the link to their website at scammercast.com. The Discipline to Grow the strength of experience, the ability to adapt. Values that endure. Midwest Trust. Mustangs, Camaros, F-150s, Silverados, and Batmobiles. Oh my. Cars aren't just for transportation. They transport us like time machines to times in our lives and to the jobs, games, and places we all call life. Check out twoguystalkingcars.com, where hosts Mike Wilkerson and Ron Reiling share their perspectives, stories, and details about the cars, trucks, and vehicles inside television and feature films. Get your motor running with twoguystalkingcars.com. That's twoguystalkingcars.com. 
join in a unique interactive experience as we put you inside the mind and heart of the law enforcement professional and delve into the culture of policing. Hi, I'm Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, where I've reviewed hundreds of police procedural television programs and movies. But the question remains, does Hollywood get it right? What does it really feel like when you search for a suspect inside an abandoned building? The fear. The adrenaline. The unknown. Law Enforcement Training for the Arts, or LIDA, is an experience like no other. Fingerprints. Ballistics. DNA. Our team of professionals have numerous years in law enforcement to include those with experience in the United States Secret Service, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI, the United States military, along with other local, state, and federal entities. Our unique facilities offer the same interactive courses that the police themselves use to train. This will be an experience of a lifetime that you'll never forget. Check out the details now at LITAConference.com. That's L-E-T-A Conference.com. And sign up for the upcoming convention. Seats are limited, but we're eager to see you behind the thin blue line. LITAConference.com. L-E-T-A Conference.com. Go behind the badge. Welcome back to ScammerCast your headquarters for the education and prevention of scams against our elders. Let's dig back in with your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Maines. We're back with Ted Wiener from the Fraud Squad at the Gatesworth Retirement Community in St. Louis. So Ted, what do you see coming down the road as far as how we can better protect seniors and those who care for them from getting ripped off by these crooks that are out there? Education. It's the key is to try and educate people and ties in with the FTC tagline, pass it on. Uh, If people are educated, they can know how to defend themselves or what reaction to do. The scammers are always coming up with new ideas, new wrinkles to the different type of scams. Also, it would be nice if the government agencies would be more helpful in this area and more disciplined in their policing within their own realm, just like the IRS refund scam. Uh, To me, the IRS is the one who could stop that real easy. What other agencies would offer resources other than the FTC? Have you run across any in your work? Actually, you've got a list of about 20. Social Security Online, they have an identity theft fact sheet that helps you that. The U.S. Postal Service, the credit agencies, the three major credit agencies, in fact, they offer a free credit report to everybody Mm -hmm. once a year. So what you should do is get a credit report from one of them. Four months later, get a credit report from the other. Four months later, get a credit report from the third one. And that way you're getting periodically through the year your current credit report to know what's going on. And in that vein, you also, if you have young children, if they have a social security number, you also want to order a credit report on the children. I have an interesting story along that line. 
a college graduate from Purdue University. Uh, he was graduating. He was 21 years old, had never bought a car, did have a credit card, but had never really borrowed money or a loan or something. Obviously, trying to buy, wanting to buy a car because he knew he was going to now need a vehicle for working. And uh, he applied for an auto loan. He was turned down. His credit report showed there were 78 open delinquent accounts wow. in his Social Security number. Wow. Obviously, when he was born, he had a credit re uh, Social Security number. Somebody got a hold of it and for 20 years had been opening accounts using that credit card number. And because they didn't obviously use his home address, they never knew anything about it until he applied for credit and got a credit report. What a terrible so, shock. So you definitely, even if you've got young children, to play it safe, you want to order that credit report on their Social Security number. Wow, that's excellent advice. And I know that children are a rapidly growing, perhaps the most rapidly growing group who are victims of identity theft. Yes. Along with active duty military and seniors. The military, in fact, the military, the veterans who are overseas and the uh, scammers are able to get their personal information and open accounts and do things in their name and the fact that they're overseas till they get back to the states and apply for credit themselves or whatever, they don't find out that they've been a victim of identity theft. But I'd also, along resources for information, AARP has a lot of good information. Uh, the uh, Sometimes your local bank or your financial firm will have uh, online information for alerts. And in fact, some banks, you can actually sign up to get an alert if there is an unusual activity in your account of certain things. And check with your bank and call them. Do you do alerts? One of uh, my neighbors, uh, when they went to the bank last week to withdraw some money, said, uh, uh, oh, I see you took out $1,000 online this week. And they didn't know what the bank was talking about because they don't bank online. They don't even have an online password or anything like that. Somehow somebody got a hold of a way to go online, had their account number, and signed up for online, and then transferred some money, $1,000 out of their account to another source. Incredible. Now, they're still trying to figure out how this was done, and they're hoping the bank will be very cooperative in uh, solving the mystery. How did these people get in online to do the scam or the fraud? And that's, again, where the third party, being the bank, is a source of a lot of the identity theft that goes on because they are vulnerable. Uh, the uh, people, their staff will get emails that are, uh, shotgun emails and they'll have a link on it and so they click on the link not realizing they're opening up their computer which then opens up the bank's computer or any business that you deal with. Ted, that's, a, a, that's an interesting uh, point dealing with technology and I'm wondering how the seniors, the residents that you work with are adapting to the technological changes that we've seen with computers and online access. You mentioned online banking. Do you find that seniors are embracing that kind of thing, or are they are they fearful of it and staying away from it? 
No, the, it's interesting. The majority of uh, seniors who are computer savvy do use online banking. And uh, I myself personally, because of what you're vulnerable to, the technology, the hacking, et cetera, I would not do online banking. But a lot of the seniors there do because it's so easy. It's so convenient for them. Well, that's one of the things about the Internet, totally. It's a great convenience, but also it has opened up another avenue for the bad guys to now access and make money. Yeah, Art and I actually uh, attended a presentation by two attorneys from the Social Security Administration, and their recommendation is to establish an online account with the Social Security Administration because if you don't, a hacker may and start drawing Social Security under your Social Security number. What, what, what do you think about that kind of recommendation? I, I know it's a catch-22. You're damned, damned if you don't and damned if you do, if I may <laughs> right, of course. use that expression. Uh, yes, no, I, it, it, like I say, there's good and there's bad. Now, if you're already on Social Security, you've already set up for direct deposit to your bank or investment account, however you're, wherever you're going with it. If you get a month that your check didn't come in on the first or second of the month, then you call Social Security. You, you be alert. You call Social Security. I didn't get my check. And if somebody has hacked in and changed the address or the account number, you've caught it right away and uh, should be corrected. This is another thing we all should be doing, and I stress, always check your accounts, like your credit card account. Now, this is where you go online into your account. Yes, you're opening that information into your computer, but if you're checking it every day, at least you're seeing any unusual activity and that goes on so that you can right away make a phone call to say, hey, somebody got into my account. I did not authorize that uh, charge or that withdrawal or whatever the case may be. Just like checking your credit reports three times a year doesn't cost you anything. But that's how you find out if they're under your name or Social Security number. There are charge accounts out there that you know nothing about. And they could be out there with the scammer's address. So you're never getting a statement to know no idea. that you've been scammed. Right. until something all of a sudden blows up or you get a phone call from a debt collector that you owe X dollars. When we were talking about online banking and everything, I guess we shouldn't complain when we have to change our passwords once a month and you have to register your device and everything. I know with mine, every time I use a different device, whether I use my phone or my iPad or my home computer or my work computer, I have to get a text or an email or something that comes to me to actually register that device. I've also gotten alerts that there was a device out there they were trying to register that wasn't me. So wow, th that's that, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of interesting. But I've noticed those different precautions, and every time I have to do it, I'm like, shucks, I don't want to have to do this. But I, that's a good thing. Right. Yes. Do, do you think seniors uh, are getting that kind of information and, and know that they should be doing that sort of thing? Or, or can we be more effective in giving them well, that I think kind of advice? I think the whole education of seniors and everybody leaves a lot to be desired as to what's going on. And a lot of folks are just lazy and they don't want to. 
uh, spend the time it takes to do some of this. They figure, well, I'll address it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Of course, then sometimes it can be too late. And uh, yes, I, it gets back to education and passing on the information as to what the world's about today. And making it safe, I think, also to pick up on one of your earlier points, to be able to talk about your own scam victimization. That's one of the things that I most respected Bill, my stepfather, for, is that he was very forthcoming about his own scam victimization and would tell anybody about it because he wanted others to know that this happened to him. And he certainly was not a stupid person at all. He was a college graduate, an accountant and everything. And we've got to dispel that myth, I think, that people who get ripped off in this way are stupid or that somehow they're losing it and that sort of thing. And the fear for many seniors is that someone's going to take over their finances and they're going to lose control. Do you run into that as well? People have those fears or do they express that at all? Uh, not, a, not a lot, but the big area in uh, that I see is in their driving <laughs> Oh, they all are afraid deal. they're going to their car. Big the kids deal. are going to take the car keys away from them, but uh, they don't talk about the other. The, I think most cases, seniors are so many of the seniors I've seen uh, who have family members handling their finances. They actually, uh, p- particularly those who are affluent, are happy that they don't have to worry about it. They just know that the kids or a trust company, whatever is taking care of all their regular bills and their obligations. And if they need money for running around money or whatever, they call up and say, I need $500 and they get a check in the mail that they can then cash at the, the bank within the building complex. And so I don't know that I've noticed that they're worried about losing, controlling their finances. In fact, they're happy when Mm. somebody else is handling it. Wow, interesting. Yeah. There's an interesting study that we've referenced a time or two on previous episodes of the ScammerCast. It was done by some researchers at Boston College, and the the purpose of the study was to try to determine what are some risk causes for scam susceptibility. And the results of the study were interesting in that they only found two causes that they could say – are a scientifically proven link to scam susceptibility. One is cognitive impairment, uh, and we recently had Stephanie Rolfs-Young from the Alzheimer's Association on talking about how to recognize cognitive impairment. And the other is overconfidence. And I know we had a little bit of a conversation before we started recording today about seniors being overconfident, and I'm wondering if you could share your thoughts uh, on on that. I I think that is definitely a problem in that Seniors, particularly affluent seniors, think, gosh, I'm smart. I took care of myself. I made money. I ran a business, et cetera, and so forth. I'm too smart to be scammed. <laughs> and, you know, the guy who thinks they know it all is the guy who's eventually going to get caught. Uh, I found there are a number of uh, particularly technical people, like engineers and so forth, when they maybe get caught on the phone and, and develop a phone conversation with a scammer that think, I'm going to scam this guy, and they drag it out, not realizing that somewhere in there that scammer is picking up little bits of personal information that right. they can hopefully later, or they hope later they can use for identity theft. It doesn't pay to play the scammer's game. You get a phone call and you realize it's a scammer, 
just hang up. Don't try and be a hero or, or whatever. <laughs> just hang up. And uh, in fact, one of the residents was commenting that she's been getting uh, robocalls from this particular phone number. And they'll call, and she has caller ID in that. She doesn't recognize the number. She doesn't answer the phone. They don't leave a message on the answering machine. Ten minutes later, the same number calls again and, and will call three or four times during the day. My suggestion to her was that if she recognizes and that's it, the number, and that pick up the phone and say, it's done. There's blood all over the place. i got to get out of here before the police come and hang up. <laughs> Isn't good. there a website, Art, on, on sort of uh, uh, turning the tables on the scammer? Yeah, yeah there's a whole uh, subculture of scam baiters, right. which is very fun. Uh, and there's one called 419 Hell. 419 hell, which is after the uh, part of the Nigerian code that's supposed to outlaw the whole Nigerian scam. You know, I'm stuck in Nigeria and I need you to take some money for me and all that. Yeah, so that's it, a funny, funny world to look into. And uh, there was a lady that I talked to a while back who said she got one of those grandparent scams or something like that. And she said to the guy, young man, is this a sex call? And he said, absolutely not. And she says, well, that's the only kind I take. <laughs> Well, that works, but that's short and sweet. Right, you don't, and you sweet. don't want to get into where you're on the phone with them for 10, 15, right. 20 minutes because you're not going to become a, a winner doing that. No, that, that's just giving them more information, so that's a point well made. Do, do you find that those seniors who, who maybe are a little bit overconfident tend to be the ones then after their scam that are reluctant to talk about it? I well because they don't talk about it I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Answered answered our own question, didn't right, we? Right. <laughs> now you mentioned a tool that you like to recommend to people um, that they can look up a phone number that's calling them. Uh, would yes. you tell our listeners about that? If you get a call from a phone number you don't recognize, Google the phone number and in the, in the search line just type in the phone number. You've got to use the prefix, and like if it's an 800 number or an 866 dash, and, and put in the phone number, and you, your Google search will bring up a string of connections. One of the uh, connections could be 800 notes, and this is a, a site that identifies when people get this number, and it will then give you a string of responses by people. Now, not every number you do this with is going to show up in 800 notes, which doesn't mean that it's not a robocall. But when you do get the number and you have a string and people will say, yes, I got a call. It's somebody trying to sell something. It's uh, an insurance company or it's a debt collector calling or they don't answer. I call back and, and nobody answers. and that, But that helps you identify that that number is a phony robocall probably and if it does come up again just ignore it excellent advice and uh, i've also heard that you've got to be careful around caller id now because of the uh, prevalence of caller id spoofing have you run into that in your work oh yes in fact a number of residents have talked about i got a call from my own phone number mm -hmm. yep. now uh yes because the bad guys are able to get around all the electronic systems and pretend and end up on the caller ID with any phone number they want. Could be from your area code, 
uh, and your own phone number. The the idea on if it's your own phone number calling you, which you know you're not calling yourself. First of all, you can't because the line would would be busy. Uh, is that uh, you you know that you've been scammed. I mean, or it is a scam. So don't even pick up the phone because it could link you. Then sometimes when you pick up a phone, it could link you into a system that is actually running a bill up for your your phone charge. Right. That, that's also sometimes you will get a, a call that tells you to dial like a pound nine oh. This is a scam. It is. And that I mean, this is somebody who's running up charges that will then somehow or other they're able to cash out the the debit and whatnot. So. Uh, yes, so the number that shows up is not necessarily legitimate. That's, again, another reason to let your calls, if you don't recognize it, go to your answering machine. Because 99% of the time, if it's not legitimate, they won't even leave you an answer. Another one to watch out for that I've run across in, in my presentations is when you get one of these calls and they say, to remove your name from this list, hit one or nine or whatever. Well, that just tells the scammer that they've got a live number. Right. And they'll, it's guaranteed to get you more calls. So uh, that, that's a fascinating world about all of the robocall and, and phone scams. That's the same thing on your computer. If you get an email that has something in it, it says, if you are not interested or want to unsubscribe, click on this link. Don't do it because it, uh, if you click on the link, more than likely... It's going to open your computer to a malware deposit going into your account. Right, just block and, the sender. Uh, right. Uh, another thing, too, I might mention, uh, on emails, the email uh, where it's coming from is in what they call the URL line. And you can look at that and see if it's really coming from where you think it's coming from. In fact, I had an example i got an email the other day that was coming from me mm, i've seen that too <laughs> and uh to me but then when you look at the url i don't remember off the top of my head it obviously was not my email address that tells you it's a scam it's a fraud so how did you look that up so that our listeners know how to tell what the url really is how did you do that well you just go up at the top of the email in the email address uh, I was hoping I, I do have it here, but you go into your email where it says from, and then it gives you a, a string of uh, digits and so forth that is the where the message is actually coming from. And if it's a screwy name or number or, or a lot of things, more than likely it's not real. And But that's where you go. They call it the URL. That's another thing, too. Uh, in, in the body of an email, if they're referring you to an email and they have the email in there, if I understand, I haven't tried this yet, but if you put your cursor over it, don't click it, over it, it will show you where it's really coming from. And that, again, tells you this is a scam because I'm not going to the link they're telling me I'm going to. I'm going to this hidden link, which obviously is going to be malware or something good information very good information. and we'll post uh, links to all of these tools 
uh, that you've discussed in the show notes uh, for this episode at scammercast.com so that our listeners can access it anytime they like. Uh, we also want to encourage our listeners, uh, let us know what you've seen. Uh, obviously, Ted, you've shared a lot of different kinds of scams that uh, you see on a routine basis, but we also want to encourage our listeners to let us know so that we can help spread the word and, and help protect uh, everybody. Well, Ted, um, where can people uh, contact you or where can they go to find you about more, more about the Fraud Squad and, and specifically you? Well, I live at the Gatesworth, Ted Wiener, the Gatesworth, one McKnight place, and uh, St. Louis Mo 63124. And I would receive the information and we could go from there. How do people contact you to come and talk to their group? Well, actually, they had read somewhere about the. There were several articles in the paper when the FTC right. uh, came into town and they identified that it was at the Gatesworth. So they call the Gatesworth. Well, if somebody calls the Gatesworth to ask about who do I talk to about fraud, then they, <laughs> then they, then they, they refer it, to you. They send it to me. So we've got the mailing address. Is that good enough? Yeah, you? that would be okay. fine. Okay. Uh, right. You talk about the Social Security address. Do you know when the Social Security numbers first came out way back? And remember when they were selling wallets that had a, a replica of a Social Security card in it? and it had a Social Security number printed on it. Yeah. That number was the Social Security number for the secretary in the wallet manufacturer's office. <laughs> really? Stop it. Also, back then, the people the all thought that this was their Social Security number. Oh, wow. They would start really? And so you had 40,000 people who were using that as their Social Security number. Of course, it wow. was found out right away. It's a bad idea. And they canceled, a bad idea. they canceled the Social Security number, and, of course, she changed her. Bad idea and product But Well, this is when it first started. You know, nobody was really realizing. Right. Well, Ted, thank you so much for coming on to the ScammerCast today and sharing your information and knowledge with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Again, uh, to our listeners, if you have any experiences or comments that you would like to share with us, please go to ScammerCast.com. And until next time, this is Curtis Bailey, your co-host. And this is Marty Gurley, your co-host. And this is Art Maines, your co-host for ScammerCast.com. And Ted, I also want to join the chorus here and thank you very much for your time, your information, and for all you're doing to try to make the world a better place and help keep people safe from scams and frauds. So we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The ScammerCast, your headquarters for education and protection of our elderly from scams worldwide. Be sure to visit us at ScammerCast.com, where you can send us your stories and tips, as well as send us your feedback, visit our Facebook presence, and more. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time, hammer the scammers. The information we share in this podcast is meant for informational and educational purposes only and should never substitute for appropriate legal, financial, or medical advice from qualified professionals. Always consult with an attorney, physician, or financial professional for the correct advice for your particular situation.
Good morning. I am Ted Wiener with the Fraud Squad at the Gatesworth Retirement Community, and you are now listening to the ScammerCast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Don't miss the next episode of the ScammerCast podcast where we talk to Fraud Squad and certified financial advisor, now retired, Ted Wiener at ScammerCast.com. Don't miss the next episode of the ScammerCast where we talk to Fraud Squad member Ted Wiener from the Gatesworth Retirement Community in St. Louis. Listen to it now at ScammerCast.com on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Don't miss the next episode of the ScammerCast where we talk with Ted Wiener of the Fraud Squad. Listen to it now over at ScammerCast.com on Two Guys Talking Podcast Network.